toleration be the love before pride and exaltation be the love be the love you are listening to be the love to awaken our souls we are souls on the journey and our mission is to awaken all humans to a higher state of consciousness and live vibrantly as spiritual beings We are here to open up the conversation to heal, awaken, and connect ourselves and the planet to a higher vibration of love frequency. I am Stacey Musial. And I am Brenda Carey. And we are your co-hosts at Be The Love Podcast. Thank you for tuning in and ascending with us. It starts with you. Everything you need is within you. This is your time. This is Adrienne Elise of the Supernova Soul Tribe. This is Nicholas David Mann. Namaste. My name is Nistella Joy Davy. This is Ron Interpreter, and you're listening to Be the Love Podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of Be the Love to Awaken Our Souls. Thank you again so much for tuning in this week. I am Stacy Musial. And I am Brenda Carey with our special guest, Dr. Debbie Silber. We are your co-hosts and souls on the journey, and we would like to thank our Patreon supporters for allowing this weekly conscious conversation. We are so grateful for all the support we have received with those monthly donations on Patreon, the five-star written reviews on iTunes, and the connection within our Awakening Souls Facebook community. We are on a mission to raise the consciousness of humans and the planet, and we need your help. Please spread the word to your family and friends and join us every week. And if you like what you hear, support us in a way that raises your vibration to love. This episode is sponsored in part by Tom Palladino with Scalar Light. You can listen to our interviews with Tom and the amazing benefits and healing potential in episodes 73, 78, 90, and 103. And I've personally been receiving the Scalar Light energy daily, and I've really noticed the shifts in my own energy with deeper sleep, with the chakra balancing, energy clearing, and nutrient support. And it's also a beautiful gift I've been able to provide for my family. Sign up and receive your 30-day free Scalar Light healing at scalarlight.com. And if it feels safe for you, I'd like to begin by inviting you to take a moment to get centered with us. I'd like to begin by inviting you to take a beautiful cleansing breath in through your nose and out through your mouth, releasing anything that is keeping you from being present. And take another deep breath in through your nose, breathing in calm, peaceful, loving energy, and breathing out anything you are ready to release in this moment. And take one more breath into your nose, breathing in light and love for yourself and breathing out that light and love and send it back to all of humanity, remembering that you always, always have your breath to come back to. Our guest today is Dr. Debbie Silber. She is the founder of the PBT, Post-Betrayal Transformation Institute and is a holistic psychologist, a health mindset, and personal development expert, the author of Trust Again, and is a two-time number one international best-selling author of The Unshakable Woman and From Hardened to Healed. Her podcast, From Betrayal to Breakthrough, is also globally ranked within the top 1.5% of podcasts. Her recent PhD study on how we experience betrayal made three groundbreaking discoveries that changes how long it takes to heal. In addition to being on Fox, CBS, The Dr. Oz Show, TEDx Twice, and so much more, she is an award-winning speaker and coach dedicated to helping people move past their betrayals, as well as any other blocks preventing them from the health, work, relationships, confidence, and happiness they most want. Thank you so much for being here with us today, Debbie. Uh, Thank you. Looking forward to our conversation. I am as well. Let's get started by having you tell us about your journey and what has led you down this spiritual path. 
Mm-hmm. Well, it's actually my 30th year in business. And as life would change, so would business. So I started in health and then mindset and then personal development. And then I had a really painful betrayal from my family, uh, thought I did everything I needed to do to heal from that. And then it happened again a few years later. This time it was my husband. So that was the deal breaker, Um, got him out of the house and looked at the two experiences thinking, well, what's similar to these two? Of course, me, but what else? And I realized, you know, boundaries were always getting crossed. I never really took my own needs seriously. And I'm one of those believers that if nothing changes, nothing changes. So here I was, four kids, six dogs, a thriving business. And I decided to go back for a PhD. Like a book wasn't going to get me out of this mess. I needed a whole PhD in it. And it was in transpersonal psychology, the psychology of transformation and human potential, because I was changing so much, I didn't quite understand it. He was too, wasn't ready to look at that. And then it it was time to do a study. So I studied betrayal. What holds us back? What helps us heal? And what happens to us physically, mentally, and emotionally when the people closest to us lie, cheat, and deceive? That study led to three groundbreaking discoveries, which changed my health, my family, my work, my life. Thank you so much for for sharing that. It sounds like your path, your personal journey has led you on your professional path. And just as you're you know, oftentimes our pain leads us to our purpose. So I love that. I'm wondering um, if you can tell us a little bit more about betrayal and really how does it, you know, why does it hurt? What does it impact and what does it create? And yeah. And, and, you know, betrayal is one of those things. Think about it. This was the person, these were the people we trusted the most. So when the people we trust the most prove untrustworthy, who do we trust? When the ones we, we'd run to and other people are causing harm are the ones causing the harm, where do we go? So it's a very different type of trauma uh, that, that needs a very specific type of cleanup. You know, we've, one of the things we learned too was you cannot count on time or even a new relationship to heal betrayal. It just doesn't work. It, it, it lingers, it shows up in your health, in your work, in your relationships. So it's a very unique type of trauma and happy to share the discovery so you can, you know, you can yeah. see how different they are, how different it is. Absolutely. Please do. Sure. So at first I was, I was studying betrayal and post-traumatic growth. And for those who aren't familiar, post-traumatic growth is if you can imagine sort of an ups, upside of trauma, how that trauma, um, whatever it was, death of a loved one, disease, natural disaster, whatever, leaves you with a new awareness, you know, insight perspective that you didn't have. But I had been through death of a loved one and I'd been through disease. And I was like, no, feels different for me, but I didn't want to assume it was the same for everyone. So I asked all my study participants, if you've been through other traumas besides betrayal, does it feel different for you unanimously? They said, oh my gosh, it's so different. Here's why. Because it feels so intentional, we take it so personally. So the whole self gets shattered you know, think about it, rejection, abandonment, belonging, confidence, worthiness, trust, they're all shattered and have to be rebuilt. So it didn't quite qualify as post-traumatic growth. It's like, yeah, you need to rebuild your life, but you also need to rebuild the self. So I coined a new term, post-betrayal transformation, which is the complete and total rebuild of your life and yourself after an experience with betrayal. So that was the first discovery. Wow. That's so powerful. I love hearing that, that transformation, um, with betrayal. So first discovery, I'm so curious, what is the second? You've got me hooked. (laughs) Yeah. So the second uh, discovery was that there's actually a collection of symptoms, physical, mental, and emotional, so common to betrayal. It's now known as post-betrayal syndrome. And we've had easily over 80,000 people take our post-betrayal syndrome quiz on our site to see to what extent they're struggling. And and first of all, you know, it's really interesting. Like I said before, uh, you know, we've heard time heals all wounds. I have the, the proof that that's not true, how this unhealed betrayal will follow you around because there's a question on the quiz that says, is there anything else you'd like to share? And people write things like, my betrayal happened 35 years ago, I'm unwilling to trust. 
My betrayal happened 40 years ago and I can still feel the hate. My betrayal happened 10 years ago and it feels like it happened yesterday. So we know uh, time does not heal it. And every few months I pull the stats from the quiz to see where people are. You want me to share some? Sure. Yes, we'd love that. Okay, so now imagine, figure 80,000 people, men, women, just about every country is represented. Ready? 78% constantly revisit their experience. 81% feel a loss of personal power. 80% are hypervigilant. That's exhausting. 94% deal with painful triggers. And some of those triggers can just take you right down. The most common physical symptoms. 71% have low energy, 68% have sleep issues, 63% have extreme fatigue. So you sleep all night, you wake up, you're exhausted. 47% have weight changes. So in the beginning, maybe you can't hold food down. Later on, you're using food for comfort. 45% have a digestive issue. And that can be anything from Crohn's, IBS, diverticulitis, constipation, diarrhea, you name it. The most common mental symptoms, 78% are overwhelmed, 70% are walking around in a state of disbelief, 68% are unable to focus, 64% are in shock, 62% can't concentrate. So now imagine you have to work, you have to raise your kids, and you're exhausted, you have a gut issue, you can't concentrate. That's not even emotionally. Emotionally, 88% experience extreme sadness. 83% are very angry, really common to bounce back and forth between those two emotions. 82% feel hurt. 80% are anxious. 79% are stressed. Just a few more. This is why I wrote the book, Trust Again. 84% have an inability to trust. 67% prevent themselves from forming deep relationships because they're afraid of being hurt again. 82% find it hard to move forward. 90% want to move forward, but they don't know how. Wow. Yeah. The body remembers, right? So when you go into that place of trauma, your, your body's going to store that and continue, you know, those patterns until you can, can heal. And so I know there's a a third one. So tell us about the, the third discovery too. Yeah. And, and even before I get that, you, you said it about uh, the body remembering. Now, here's the here's the biggest crime as far as I'm concerned. First of all, you didn't hear me read any stat 20%, 30%. These numbers are high. Yeah. And these aren't necessarily, these stats aren't from a recent betrayal. This could be something that happened when you were a kid. This could be something your parents said or did. This could be from that girlfriend or boyfriend boyfriend in high school. So think about this. That person may not even know, care, or even remember. And here we are walking around decades later mm-hmm. with the gut issue, with the anxiety, with the sleep issues, right? Because of something from so long ago, that's the, you know, it's shaping everything we do, every relationship relationship we go into because of something unhealed from so long ago. Yeah, I, I really feel like those statistics, excuse me, are just a powerful reminder of the body-mind connection. And I know many people dismiss that initially and be like, oh, no, the physical self, is that's a separate thing mm-hmm. from the mental, emotional body. But, you know, for me, as, as a yoga instructor, we talk about the connection of body, mind, and spirit. It's ancient, thousands of years old. And so mm-hmm. this is just proof you know, that, I mean, the cliche of we stuff issues in our tissues Mm -hmm. is so true. And we see that in so many, um, like digestive issues for much, for example, that's one of many of those and how it impacts both our physical body and our mental emotional state. And it's just this interconnection. Uh, so yeah, I, I loved hearing those statistics because I was kind of curious, like, it's obviously a very high indicator of how we perceive our world and other people. Exactly. And, and here's, here's the, the thing too. We have so many people coming into the PBT Institute with therapy trauma. And here's the thing. And, and when you, when I get to the third discovery, it'll be clear how this happens, but let's say a, a, the therapist, first of all, isn't highly skilled in betrayal. It could do more harm than good. But the second thing is, even if the therapist is wonderful, that's only getting to it at one level. As you just said, it, you know, if we don't if we don't get rid of that trauma, 
from the body, we're only getting to a part of it at best. So it, it needs to, because it hits every area, every area needs to be addressed and healed mm-hmm. for sure. So want me to share the third discovery? Please. Sure. Okay. So for me personally, the third discovery was the most exciting out of all of them. And what we learned was while we can stay stuck for years, decades, a lifetime, and so many people do, if we're going to fully heal, and by fully heal, I mean symptoms of post-betrayal syndrome, like I just shared, to that whole healed, rebuilt place of post-betrayal transformation, we're going to go through five now proven predictable stages. And what's even more exciting about that is we even know what happens physically, mentally, and emotionally at every one of those stages. And we know what it takes to move from one stage to the next. Healing is entirely predictable. There's a roadmap for it. The order doesn't switch. You don't leave out a stage. You will go through all five stages if you are to fully heal. And I'm happy to share the stages if you want. I would love to hear them. Please do. <laughs> okay. So it's all mapped out in trust again. It's it's what our coaches are all certified in. It's what we teach within the institutes, but the institute, but I'll give you a, a boil down version right here. So stage one is like a setup stage. And if you can imagine four legs of a table, the four legs being physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual. What I saw with Every study participant, me too, was this real heavy lean on the physical and the mental thinking and doing and kind of neglecting the emotional and the spiritual feeling and being. Well, think about a table. If a table only has two legs, it's easy for that table to topple over. That's us. So when that happens, you know, stage two, shock, trauma, D-Day, discovery day, the scariest of all of the stages. And this is the breakdown of the body, the mind, and the worldview. This is the day you receive that news. Right here, you've ignited the stress response. You're headed for every single stress-related symptom, illness, condition, disease. Your mind is in a complete state of chaos and overwhelm. You cannot wrap your mind around what you just learned. This makes no sense. And your worldview has just been shattered. Your worldview is your mental model, the rules that govern us, that prevent chaos. Don't go there, trust this person. This is how life works. And in one earth shattering moment, every rule you've known and held to be real and true is no longer. The bottom has truly bottomed out on you and a new bottom hasn't been formed yet. So it's terrifying. But think about it. If the bottom were to bottom out on you, what would you do? You grab hold of anything you could to stay safe and stay alive. And that's stage three, survival instincts emerge. It's the most practical out of all of the stages. If you can't help me, get out of my way. How do I survive this experience? Where do I go? Who can I trust? How do I feed my kids? Here's the trap though. Stage three by far is the most common place to get stuck. And here's why. Once you've figured out how to survive your experience, because it feels so much better than the shock and trauma of where you just came from, you think it's good. We're like, okay, I got this. And because we don't know there's anywhere else to go, we don't know there's a stage four, stage five, transformation doesn't even begin until stage four. But because we don't know there's anywhere else to go, we start planting roots here. We're not supposed to, but we don't know that. So we plant roots here and four things happen. The first thing is we start getting all these small self-benefits. We get to be right. We get our story. We get someone to blame. We get a target for our anger. We get sympathy from everyone we tell our story to. Things like that. And on some level, that feels good. So we plant deeper roots. We're not supposed to, but we don't know that. And now because we're here longer than we're supposed to be, the mind starts doing things like, maybe you're not all that great. You know, maybe you deserved it. Maybe this, maybe that. So we plant deeper roots. Again, we're not supposed to be here, but we don't know that. Now, because these are the thoughts you're thinking, well, this is the energy you're putting out. Like energy attracts like energy. So now you start calling situations and circumstances and relationships towards you to confirm, yep, this is exactly where you belong. Gets worse, but I'll get you out of here. Because it feels so bad, but we don't know there's anywhere else to go, Right here, we resign ourselves. We're like, this stinks, but I have to get through my day. You know, I have to go to work. I have to feed my kids. So right here, we start using food, drugs, alcohol, work, TV, keeping busy, you know, any sort of behavior to numb, avoid, and distract ourselves. So think about this. 
We do that for a day, a week, a month. Now it's a habit, a year, 10 years, 20 years. And I can see someone 20 years out and say, that emotional eating you're doing or that numbing in front of the TV, that drinking, do you think that has anything to do with your betrayal? And they would look at me like I'm crazy. They would say it happened 20 years ago. All they did was put themselves in stage three and stay there. Does that make sense? Absolutely. No, it definitely makes sense. I would, it's, for me, it sounds like, correct me if I'm wrong, but this stage three sounds very much like victim mentality. A hundred percent. And where, you know, where it's like not taking personal responsibility and really owning up to the next stages that come, but people I do really feel like get stuck in, and, and they've learned so far, it's not as bad as before. Mm-hmm. So victim mentality can f- kind of feel a little bit better, but I feel like that can be a very easy place to get stuck. Um, yeah. And you're right. Like attracts like. So if we stay in that, we're attracting those same lower vibrational experiences and it's just like rinse and repeat. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And I feel like a lot of people get stuck there, you know, so you get the over shopping, you know, consuming alcohol, drinking, drugging, you know, media, their phones, you know, and so a lot of people get stuck in this place and really don't even realize it, but are, you know, numbing out and distracting themselves. So I'm wondering if, if like you can talk a little bit more about, you know, how does one become aware that they're in that place and how can they essentially move out to the next stage? Sure. And this is also what, you know, like the misery loves company crowd, they come along now here too. And and this is why people say, well, I'm in a support group and the wrong support does way more harm than good. Because let's say you're in a group and it's the, like the ain't it awful club, you know, well, when you start healing, you don't belong. So what people do is they almost sabotage their healing because they want to stay with their group. Mm -hmm. So it is, it is so common to stay that that's why stage three is the one that people can be in for life. And you want to know, you know, if you're doing this, because I look at it like you've been through the worst of it already, you owe it to yourself to move through the stages. And, And especially when I get to what stage four and stage five looks like, you're going to be seeing what you're missing when you're just hanging out in stage three. But but there are actually four questions that you can ask yourself to see if you're numbing, avoiding, distracting, because if so, that's absolutely going to keep you stuck. And, and I invite everybody to write these down. That's my way of saying, write these down. The first question, am I numbing, avoiding, distracting? If so, how? You know, call yourself on it. Do you, do you go into the kitchen, you're not the least bit hungry and you're just eating? Right? Do you go into a room, you put the TV on because you're just desperately trying to drown out the sound of your own thoughts? Call yourself on it. The second question, what am I pretending not to see? You know, am I pretending not to see my relationship is in trouble? Am I pretending not to see that health issue that needs my attention? Am I pretending not to see I hate my job? What am I pretending not to see? The third question, what's life going to look like in five to 10 years if I keep this going? We don't want to play that out. Play it all the way out. What does that relationship look like in five to 10 years, handling it exactly the way you are right now? Take that health issue that you're ignoring five years out. What's that going to look like 10 years out, right? That job issue five to 10 years out. What's that going to look like, right? And the fourth question, what can life look like in five to 10 years if I change now? I'm not saying that that change is easy, but change begins when you tell yourself the truth. I find that, yeah, just telling yourself the truth and really, you know, being honest and, and opening up, you know, to looking at what is going on for you, what the feelings, the emotion, the thoughts, because once you put attention on that, then it becomes less, but like, it becomes so big when you avoid those things. And I think it's, you know, a lot, oftentimes taught in our culture to, avoid the scary emotions, the scary thoughts. And so there's a culture of that. And so really putting our attention on that can really help dissipate those and and gain power over that again. A hundred percent. And also, you know, and with an unhealed betrayal, it, it does not go away without moving fully through the stages. Like here's how it shows up in your health and your work and your relationships. For example, I'll see it in relationships in one of two ways. The first way is repeat betrayal, right? The face has changed, but it's the same thing. And you're wondering, what the heck? Why do I keep going from partner to partner to partner, friend to friend to friend, boss to boss to boss? The face has changed, but it's the same thing. And here's why. 
it's not that it's your fault in that it's your opportunity. There is a profound lesson waiting to be learned. You are lovable, worthy, deserving. You need better boundaries in place, whatever it is for you. Until and unless you get that, you will have uh, opportunities in the form of people to teach you. Like, for example, uh, in my case, you know, here it was, it was my family. I thought I did the work to heal and, and I didn't, you know, clearly. And then it happened again and it was my husband. And for me, um, joining this, you know, enrolling in this PhD program, I mean, I didn't know how I was going to pay for it. I didn't know how I was going to manage the time, but it was the most drastic thing I could have done. It was like the first time I did anything for myself. And it completely changed my life. And thankfully now the lives of thousands of others, right? So something drastic changed. And while we're just on that topic, I just want to sort of close the loop for everybody. Healing and rebuilding, by the way, is always a choice. Whether you rebuild yourself and move on, and that's what I did with my family. It wasn't an option to heal with them. Or if the situation lends itself, if you're willing, if you want to, you rebuild something totally from the ground up new with the person who hurt you. And that's what I did with my husband. So not long ago was two totally revamped people. Uh, we married each other again, new rings, new vows, new dress <laughs> and four kids, uh, as our <laughs> bridal party. Um, yeah. So as far as like where we see an unhealed betrayal in, in relationships, the repeat betrayals until, and unless, you know, you learn that powerful lesson and also, you know, we also see it where someone puts that big wall up. They're like, nope, been there, done that. No one's getting near me again. And they think it's coming from a place of strength. And it's not. It's coming from fear. You know, we see it in health. People go to the most well-meaning coaches, doctors, healers, therapists to manage a stress-related symptom, illness, condition, disease. At the root of it is an unhealed betrayal, right? Like how we, I, I stated, 45% of everybody betrayed has a gut issue. You could go to the best gut doctor around, Right. But if they don't understand that an unhealed betrayal is at the root of your gut issue, you're only getting, you know, to a certain extent and not any further or in work. We see it in work, too. You know, you you deserve that razor promotion, but you don't have the confidence to ask because your confidence was shattered in the betrayal or you want to be a team player, collaborative partner joint venture partner, but the person you trusted the most proved untrustworthy. How do you trust that boss, that coworker, that partner? So it, it'll show up everywhere. And that's what stage three can look like for you. This episode is sponsored by Tom Letter at Selenite Swords. Our world faces many challenges at the present moment. And to create more balance among mankind, the collective power of lightworkers is needed now more than ever. If you want to contribute to this effort with your own energy work, add Selenite Swords of Light to your practice. Each sword is handmade with a blend of over 400 power crystals and 92 sacred waters from around the world. It creates a resonance that's palpable, tangible, and magnifies your personal energy many times. Practitioners love these unique tools of light and what they experience during each healing session. Visit Selenite Swords of Light to learn more and select your new sword today at selenitesword.com. So tell us a little bit more about, you know, so we've got this, you know, lesson to learn from mm -hmm. whatever, and those lessons will continue to come up, right? Everything's a mirror outside of us and continuing to, I believe the universe continues to show it to you until it smacks you on the head and says, you know, this is what you need to look at. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, how do we, you know, notice that? What do we, how do we get to the root of that lesson? Yeah, that, and that's where our biggest crisis can serve as our greatest gift when we take a look at that. Like even in my own experience, I could have been the poster child for betrayal. I mean, think about it. The people I trusted the most all betrayed me. But when you take a look and you're like, there's, I don't know what it is, but there's got to be something here. There's got to be a lesson here. There's got to be something more. And I had no idea what it was. The, the, the only thing I thought was, as I was moving through the program, I remember saying, I have no idea how I can heal from this. But if I do, I'm taking everybody with me. Like I, I remember those, you know, that feeling. And when things come up for you, it's for a reason. It's for a reason. And if we just don't do any uh, looking into 
why something may have happened, what we can extract from it, how we can grow from it. It's such a waste of trauma, mm. right? When we, when we do something powerful with it, it's trauma well-served. Yes. I do think as Stacy mentioned earlier, our pain becomes our purpose. And what also stood out to me when you were talking about, you mentioned like um, the groups that we put ourselves in, you know, when we are stuck in that victim mentality and like attracts like, what it sounds like to me is like how to elevate out of that. We need to be in, you know, groups that basically help us evolve. And I think that's part of the transformation to get, to get us out of that stuck place. And I'll just share this really brief story of mine. Like I had an autoimmune gut condition. And so the doctor recommended this support group and I went once and it was basically people all complaining about, oh, this is my problem and this is my mm -hmm. issues. And I was like, this is not where I want to stay. Like yeah. I see myself healed. And so I think that that is kind of a red flag. You mentioned like, be wary of support groups. Are they really evolving you out of whatever physical, mental, emotional issue that you find yourself stuck in? So I'm grateful that you, because I believe we are like energetically designed to be with community, but it's got to be community where we feel like we're, we're raising ourselves up instead of keeping us at this level that feels safe and that is familiar, but is not necessarily in our best interest. It's so true. And, and that's why, you know, even doing the research, every single study participant said they would have benefited from support, but the right type of support. So then I was, that's why when I was designing the PBT Institute, I, I thought about it. I was like, I did the research. I know what works. Support is such a crucial piece of this, but what would happen if we had the type of support where everybody there was, was there to lift support and inspire versus complain. And that's why people move through the stages as quickly as they do once they're in, because they, like that support is the fuel, yeah. you know, when they're not getting access to everything else, because the, that other type of support will hold them back. They will find themselves sabotaging themselves so that they don't outgrow the group. I see this all the time. And so what yeah. would you say to someone who maybe doesn't have that support that, you know, they have found themselves surrounded by people that are kind of keeping them stuck or bringing them down? Uh, what would you, what advice would you give for that person? Yeah. Well, first of all, that was, that was one of the really important reasons why I wrote trust again. Also, it was like, if you don't have the right support, at least have the material that, you know, in your hands or through, you know, audio or whatever. So you, so you can get that right type of support. You're better off. I mean, I, I truly believe you're better off uh, staying really kind of alone during that time than being with, than being with the wrong type of support. And here's the thing too, transformation is a, not a lonely, necessarily a lonely process, but it is a personal process. Right. You know, like think about the caterpillar turning into the butterfly, the classic symbol of transformation. The caterpillar doesn't just stick a pair of wings on and become a butterfly, right? You know, it, it, think about what happens. It's willing to, it hangs itself from a branch in order to die to the life it's known. It is deconstructed, unrecognizable from anything it once was only because it went through that messy process. Does it get to be that beautiful butterfly? It's the same thing with healing from betrayal. You need to, we say in the Institute, face it, feel it, heal it. But when you do, you move through the stages. There's really no magic to how it happens. It's research-based. It's you need to go through these things in order to come out of, of uh, through stage five, uh, four and five, but people don't want to be uncomfortable. They don't like it. So they would rather stay in that familiar uh, place than, than you know, venture into this unknown, although that unknown is where your best new self lives. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that, you know, that uncertainty, that uh, lack of familiarity and, you know, the unknown can be a very scary place for some people because there's that comfort, you know, and that they're so used to. And sometimes even holding on to pain is a comfort, right? And so that's what um, keeps people in that place. But I'm curious, I'd love to hear more about how we can move from that stuck place to mm -hmm. 
stage four. Yeah, sure. So, so like I said, stage three is the hardest one to, mm-hmm. to leave. But if you're willing to let go of the small self-benefits, grieve, mourn the loss, bunch of things you need to do, you move to stage four. Stage four is finding and adjusting to a new normal. So here's where you acknowledge, I can't undo what happened, but I control what I do with it. Just in that decision, you're turning the stress response down. You're not healing just yet, but at least you stopped the massive damage you've been creating in stages two and stage three. Stage four feels like if you've ever moved to a new house, office, condo, apartment, you know, all your stuff's not there. It's not quite cozy yet, but it's going to be okay. You're like, okay, okay, we can do this. We got this, right? That's the feeling of stage four. But what's interesting about stage four also is this. If you were to move, you don't necessarily take everything with you. You don't take the things that don't represent who you want to be in your new space. And what I found was if your friends weren't there for you, right here, you've outgrown them. You don't take them with you from stage three to stage four. Like, let's say that misery loves company crowd. No, you don't take them with you now. So very common. People say to me all the time, what the heck? I've had these friends 10, 20, 30 years. Is it me? Yes, it is. You're undergoing a transformation. And if they don't rise, they don't come. Very common. Anyway, when you're in stage four, you're making it cozy, you're making it mentally okay, making it kind of home, you move into the fifth most beautiful stage. And this is healing, rebirth, and a new worldview. The body starts to heal, self-love, self-care, eating well, exercise, things like that. You didn't have the bandwidth for that earlier. Now you do. Your mind is healing. You're making new rules. You're making new boundaries based on the road you just traveled. And you have a new worldview based on your entire experience. And the four legs of, that, of the table in the beginning, it was all about the physical and the mental. By this point, we're solidly grounded because we're focused on the emotional and the spiritual too. Those are the five stages. Mm-hmm. I so love, love that ascension process into that emotional and spiritual. I mean, I, I can definitely identify that with my own healing journey and other people that I have worked with. And it, it is essential. And yeah, it's, it's the transformation in, in a whole different level, rising our vibration to possibility, what we really want to create. I think sometimes many people forget how powerful of creators we are. You mentioned earlier, you know, healing is a choice and that is like stepping into our power and really owning it. And it can be scary. I admit I did leave friends behind that weren't on the same evolutionary path because I knew I was designed to heal. Our bodies are miracles. We're just walking miracles. And But when we really step into that and own that, leave victim mentality behind, it definitely shines a new light. And yeah, I definitely think so much differently um, than the way that I used to. And it's, it's one of those, it, yeah, it's definitely one of those cocoon experiences. You mentioned the butterfly had to sit in the cocoon for a while and then eventually the wings sprout and we take off. So I love that transformational process. It's, uh, it's, it's pretty in, intense. And, uh, you know, spirituality also had a, played a huge role in healing. And I saw this with everyone as well, where um, in, in, uh, in a few ways, there were people who they left their religion, they felt their religion didn't support them. And they moved towards spirituality, or they moved towards the spiritual side of their religion, or they really weren't doing much of anything. And they moved towards spirituality. And I was really curious why that happened. It really was for two reasons. After betrayal, you feel so disconnected. So that spiritual, uh, that spirituality gave them a sense of connection. But also for another reason, when trust is shattered, think about it. You don't trust the person you trusted the most. You don't trust yourself because you're like, I'm a bright person. How did I not see? How did I not know? So then you think, well, if I can't trust the person I trusted the most and I don't trust myself, how in the world can I trust in anyone or anything? So spirituality played a really big role here too because it was like, I can't trust in anything, but I can trust in something other bigger than me. Hmm. I think, you know, yeah, as we, you know, open up to that spirituality and, um, you know, and and find that existential reasoning and meaning, you know, it can give purpose when there's hard, it's hard to find that purpose and, you know, being human, you know, and, and everything that had occurred, you know, through the betrayal, 
And so I'm wondering um, also, I'd love to hear just some ways that people can, you know, maybe some tools that you can give people in that stage four place, you know, kind of moving from stage three to stage four, you know, some things that they can go to that will help move them out of that stage. If there's anything concrete that you can um, provide. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because stage three is very uh, action oriented around survival, you know, uh, like it, let's say around your finances, if you're in a partnership and you, you just broke up or around just, just what do I, or you do research on a narcissist and gaslighting and what all that kind of thing. Stage four is very action oriented too, but it's more around what do I need to heal? So this is, you know, if you look at it physically, mentally, emotionally, psychologically, spiritually, what's an action you can take in any one of those areas? Because it's very different for everyone. And, and, you know, everybody has their own sort of recipe, but as long as you're addressing it at every one of those levels in a way that feels right for you, that's a great place to start. So say more about that. Um, Like what, you know, just something that someone can maybe do, um, you know, maybe is there a meditation or is there a practice that they can do in one of those areas that would be helpful? Yeah. Like, let's say, you know, with so many of our members, journaling really helps because there's Mm -hmm. so much that they just need to, to just get out. And whether the journaling is, is simply giving yourself a journal prompt, what do I need to know? You know, what do I need to know today? Um, what am I ready to hear? Anything, you know, that could help, or even just an open dialogue, you know, with you and the universe, God, source, energy, whatever, uh, in what it really is, whatever, in whatever way uh, helps you. But journaling can be amazing. I mean, meditation too. There are as many different ways to meditate as there are to journal. So I would just say, choose something that has you feel like you're connecting, um, releasing, um, getting, you know, just feeling, feeling like I'm, I'm doing something to move forward here. Yeah. And, I, and- I personally love journaling. That's one of my daily morning practices with meditation. It helps me focus because mm-hmm. otherwise left to my own mind's devices, my, it just scatters all over the place. So it does bring me, you know, hones it in onto the page. And I love the questions that you mentioned, like what's life going to look like five to 10 years from now? I think people, don't really ponder that very often. Like if I continue on this path that I'm at, you know, what's that going to look like? Um, Is it something that when I get to the end of my life and we never know how many days we get, you know, am I going to be like, yes, like I showed up and like, I, you know, did life with as much vibrancy as I possibly could. Um, For me, that's kind of like the litmus test. Am I showing up every day? So I can look back and be like, no regrets, just putting it out there. And I love the, like, what, what could life look like entering into that possibility realm? And that's the realm of spirit, universe, God, whatever you want to call it, but connecting to that. And even though it does seem kind of scary at first, I think that is what can really, you know, move us out of those lower vibrational states of betrayal. So I love all of those questions that you gave earlier. I will, I will sit with those for sure in my journaling time. And um, I definitely, you know, encourage people to have a, a mindfulness practice, whatever that means. Walking in nature can be a great connection. Movement, I think is great because we get so stuck in our heads. So it's great to be in our bodies and not just stuck in our minds. Cause I think we spend enough time there. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. So, you know, when, as people are moving from, you know, stage three to stage four, stage five, like what are, you know, how, how can someone truly after, you know, experiencing such a betrayal, how can they really learn to trust again? Yeah. And, and that is one of the hardest things because trust is so foundational. Um, but by the way, when, when someone is in stage four and stage five, that's when it gets really fun. I mean, we've seen, if I tell you how many new levels of health, new businesses, new relationships have been birthed, because now you're at a, you're such a different person 
the old version of you or the the unhealed version of you could never access that. Like the PBT Institute, that was a stage five thing. Uh, and, and things like that always show up for someone when they've done that tremendous amount of work to heal. But getting back to trust, you know, I, I look at trust like a brick wall. Every opportunity someone has to show that they're trustworthy, that's one brick in that brick wall, right? So the only way I know of a brick wall to be built is brick by brick by brick, so it can take time. Same thing with trust. And now imagine here in one earth-shattering moment, the entire wall can come tumbling down. Um, well, you can you know, look at the brick, the rubble and say, I don't have the least bit of interest in watching that thing get rebuilt. Totally fine. You walk away. However, if you are interested in uh, potentially rebuilding with that person, your role at that point would be the willingness to watch the brick wall be rebuilt. And the other person has to be a really good bricklayer. And they do it the same way. It goes up the same way it went up the first time, brick by brick by brick. Every opportunity they have to show that they're trustworthy, that's one brick in that brick wall. But what I see so often is the brick wall has been built. The person who built it breaks it all apart. They don't really have much of an interest in rebuilding it. So the person whose trust has been shattered, whose trust has been shattered, who's been betrayed, they're like, fine, I'll rebuild it. No, no, that's why they never feel safe. That's why they never feel valued. And so it's it, because that's not their role. Um, rebuilding trust, you you absolutely need to rebuild self-trust and rebuild trust. But when it comes to rebuilding trust with that same person, if they are not so completely uh, remorseful and, and, you know, having that whatever it takes attitude, be very, very careful. That sounds like that's some emotional boundary work mm-hmm. for sure. When, yep. when we start to rebuild that trust possibly with the other person, or I'm assuming possibly not, that might be the exit. You might say exactly, exactly. And, you know, I remember reading one of, one of the studies when I was doing my study and they were talking about forgiveness and it said, if you feel safe and valued and you forgive, you feel better. If you do not feel safe and valued and you forgive, you feel worse. And I kind of feel like, you know, forgiveness is truly for us and for our own health and wellness. So I upped it a notch and I, I talk about this and trust again. And I said, well, what would happen if we took the word forgiveness and turned it into reconcile? And it would sound like this. If I feel safe and valued and I reconcile, I feel better. If I do not feel safe and valued and I reconcile, I feel worse. And so many people reconcile without really anything being done. You know, nothing's really changed. And they wonder why they have so many physical, mental, and emotional symptoms of post-betrayal syndrome, why they're struggling. It's like they, they're just doing everything they can to just patch it up, patch it up, patch it up. It's like a house, you know, patching it up, patching it up, patching it up. Well, betrayal lends itself to the complete and total destruction of that house. But then again, after that, you can build something totally new and beautiful, but only because of the death and destruction of the old, can you rebuild that new one? Yeah. So it's really uh, about taking ownership and working, collaborating and and taking down the old structures, the old patterns and being able to rebuild. Um, Now, I know you're referring to maybe rebuilding with the old, you know, the person that, you know, maybe betrayed that person, but what about like someone new? So someone else Mm -hmm. coming in and, you know, there might be some issues with trust and wanting to trust a new partner or friends. And, you know, what would you say for that person to be able to create trust? Yeah. Well, you, you never, ever want to enter into another relationship until you have completely healed until you are out through the other side of stage five because that's a very common stage three thing to do. We're heartbroken, we're devastated, we're in so much pain, we just want that pain to go away. So the person we meet and attract at that level is that stage three person, because we attract you know, not what we want, but who we are. And so then we just have more of the same and more of the same and more of the same. Well, the, the best case scenario is, after an experience where trust has been shattered, you do all the work to heal. I mean, that's what we spend so much time on within the Institute, healing physically, mentally, emotionally, psychologically, spiritually, because when you do, you're at a very different level. You're at a very different 
level of vibration and energy and you attract a completely different type of person. So don't do the work to heal. You'll keep attracting more of the same. That's a stage three. Do the work to heal. You'll attract a very different type of person. That's a stage four, stage five thing. Wow. This has been such an enlightening conversation. I've so enjoyed getting to know you. And um, as we begin to wrap up, uh, how about you tell our listeners where they can find you? You're in a lot of different places and mm-hmm. anything you're currently working on. Uh, thanks. Everything is within the PBT Institute. They could just go to the PBT as in post-betrayal transformation, the pbtinstitute.com. Wonderful. And we'll add all your links to our show notes so people can easily find you. Thank and you. So thank you, Debbie, so much for being here with us today and this beautiful conversation. Thank you so much. And thank you for listening to Be The Love Podcast. If you've enjoyed listening to our show, please share the love by sharing it with your friends, giving us a five-star written review on iTunes, or liking us on Facebook. And please consider supporting our mission to awaken our souls with special guest interviews and speak the love conscious conversations with your co-hosts, myself and Brenda. A monthly donation of $2.22 or $5.55 really helps us with the operating cost of this podcast so we can continue to spread the love. To contribute, please visit our Patreon website at patreon.com forward slash be the love podcast and stay tuned for more episodes being released on Mondays and Thursdays at 5.55 a.m. Mountain Time. Thank you, Heather Lynn, for providing us with your beautiful song to accompany our show, Be the Love. If you would like to learn more about Heather Lynn and her music, please visit her website at heatherlynnmusic.com. And thank you, Christy Grace at Leading Edge Productions for the beautiful design and graphic. And thank you for tuning in. And until next time, we are souls on the journey to align to our divine purpose and shine our lights. So keep on shining.